Hello, this is Brittany Ross from Fiddle and Pipe. I'm sure most of y'all are aware of the ongoing war in Ukraine. You will see in the show notes that we have listed several organizations to help the Ukrainian people. To, if you would like to help out and contribute, please check out those show notes. And for the month of March, we will be donating 100% of our proceeds on Patreon to the International Committee of the Red Cross, which if you want to join us on Patreon, you can find us on patreon.com slash fiddleandpipe. We hope you'll either support us on Patreon as we donate to the International Committee of the Red Cross or check out the show notes and pick an organization that you would like to donate to. Thanks, and now back to the episode. Hi, I'm Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Flincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. Alright, well, I guess we're all recording, so welcome to Fiddle and Pipe (laughs) (laughs) 2.0. We are recording this episode, this is our take two version, and we are with Nayara Callender from mm, Conversations. Welcome, Nayara. Woohoo! Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. This episode will be really interesting because the second half of our episode is from the original recording, and the first half is take two because of a recording error. Yeah. Which I feel like we're having a lot of audio issues recently, Catherine, so <laughs> I was listening to our other episode, and we made a joke about bad things happening in threes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was listening to And I don't to know what too. set of threes that we're on. <laughs> I was like, but if it oh no! Stop. When I was listening to it, I was like, "How ironic!" Because <laughs> that literally just happened a few days ago, and we recorded that oh, before that. Oh boy, so, it's all good. Am I roped into this bad things in threes now? <laughs> Something bad gonna happen to me next? <laughs> I hope not. I hope this isn't nah. a contagious thing because if so, I want to thank you for your contribution to this episode, and I'm sorry in advance. Yeah, seriously, same. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll keep that in mind. Kind of side note. Also, it's funny because in the second half, my cats are asleep and not bothering me. But in this half, they're like they're awake because it's nighttime. So, <laughs> and I think we should probably take a lesson from the cats and go right into chapter seven. Why do we live to work? Cats don't live to work. Cats just live to be idle and enjoy their leisure time. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that we can all absorb a little bit more of. Sounds really nice. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just taking naps, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, sleeping in Catherine, fuzzy blankets. Like <laughs> we just need to question why we have such a strong need to work. And I'm going to read a selection from mm-hmm. the book. I feel particularly called out by this section. So she says, <laughs> in a Washington Post piece, Rachel Simmons of Smith College recounted something a college sophomore once told her. I can't have downtime. I feel like I'm doing something wrong if I'm not doing anything. All of this evidence could lead us to believe that working is not a choice, but a need. I'm definitely one of those people who's like, I don't know how to have downtime. I always have to be busy and mm-hmm. I'm high energy and I don't know if I have downtime, I'm bored. So I felt particularly called out and victimized by Celeste Headley. <laughs> so I'm going to raise my <laughs> hand because I'm victimized by her. 
But I was like, as well, here I am. Why you gotta (laughs) at me like that? (laughs) Right. I mean, most of this book is calling me out, honestly. Like, I was kind of like, okay, I get it. I understand. (laughs) Same. Probably because we lost this on our first recording. What do you think about the book so far? Because we haven't had you on an episode yet. I think it's a lot more than I expected. I kind of expected it to just be kind of like very specifically about work and that in and of itself and how it can be detrimental, all that stuff. And so I kind of expected that. I didn't expect to get like a history lesson, a human <laughs> geography lesson. Like uh, I, there's just so many other pieces to it mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that really made me reflect on my humanity and what it means more than just the work part of things. So that was interesting. I didn't expect that. So I've been enjoying it. Yeah, I know that when I personally started it, I was thinking it would just be another self-help book so I could sort of read it casually and apply it to my own life. But it starts out really dense at the beginning, and I was like, am I back in college? What did I (laughs) sign up for? So I feel like I have to be really focused when I'm reading it because it's not only about doing nothing, but why we can't do nothing, and then all the science behind that and why, like, socio economically, culturally, why we can't accept leisure and not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We started recording the second half of the book yesterday. And the second half of the book is a lot more self-helpy. Yeah. And I expected the whole book to be more like the second half of the book and not the meaty part of the first half. It's a lot lighter. Yeah. And it even got me thinking what I was doing yesterday after we were recording and like how I was keeping my focus with my work and everything like that. I mean, I'm still like doing the same amount of work that I usually do like this week and everything, but I don't feel as overwhelmed now that I'm like reading this book. I'm kind of like taking control of how I'm approaching my work and how I'm staying focused. Mm -hmm. I feel like overwhelmed in general, but I don't feel as like freaked out or panicked like I usually have felt in the past if that makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. but it's really neat since we like went through this part of the book already and so I had kind of this week to test out some things that we were talking about in the book or that we saw in the book so specifically where she mentions I had it marked but I don't remember I think it's in this chapter specifically doing work based on how much you can get done not how much time she has and trying to see how productive she can be before she kind of loses steam and then look at the clock. Like she said, she covered the clock in her workspace. She covered the clock on her computer and uh, left it to see how much she could get done in a certain amount of time. And I actually tried that this week Hmm. and made it a point to put on my to-do list because as teachers, musicians, you know, our to-do list is like never ending. I literally have a notebook that is just for my to-do list every day. So I made it a point to try to do less things and only the most important things that I could get done in that day and then spend my other hours of the school day doing other things. Because once I'm done teaching in my planning period, I should be doing things that affect my students directly. And there are tons of extracurricular things and logistics and concert planning things that need to get done too. But how much of that can I do in a time frame that, well, before I start losing steam and I can like take a walk, we have a little, like a little um, convenience store on campus. Can I take a walk to the convenience store and get some ice cream Ooh. and not think about, <laughs> I know it is kind of nice. <laughs> can I do this? And like, 
not think about concert planning for 10, 20, 30 minutes and maybe go watch my friends in their classrooms teaching. And because I do enjoy teaching as other things than just the, the job itself. And so seeing the other aspect of teaching that I enjoy, which is watching other people. So I've made it a point this week to see if I could just like, we have a concert coming up next week. Can I do my logistics stuff when I'm done with this particular bullet? Can I let it go, put it down and go do something more human? interact with students as they're walking to the store, get ice cream for myself, go watch my friend teach, like this kind of thing. So I've been trying to use what I've been learning in this book to calm down and focus less on the work and focus on the actual things about my job that I like that don't involve productivity specifically. I kind of feel like a similar way, like trying to insert points in my day where I can kind of help serve myself in a way like relax for instance earlier this week I just had a busy day and so during one hour mark that I had open I decided to go on a walk because I was just like it's nice outside even though it's 30 degrees and a little windy but I'm gonna go out and go on a walk and (laughs) just enjoy like the fresh air and the sun because it was really nice and I can't really run right now so I was like, I'll just go to like the park across the street. I live by like two parks, which is like really nice for me. And I like being outside. I feel really good when I'm outside. Endorphins, you know, but it just felt really nice to just <laughs> kind of like take a break and do something for myself, listening to music or a podcast that I really like and just going out and not really thinking, not thinking about work, not thinking about being on my laptop or anything or cleaning the house, just doing something for myself. And even even if I don't have time to walk or anything like that, I'll like meditate before I have to teach or something. If I'm feeling overwhelmed and I have like a long day and I'm like, okay, I want to get a little bit in a clearer headspace and feel energized when I teach today. Like I think meditating is also very helpful because it just helps me not freak out about like, okay, you have this to do, you have this to do. It's just like, it helps me find a little bit more of my center. Keeps you grounded. Yeah, it keeps me grounded. And I've been doing mm-hmm. that a lot more the last couple of weeks because I know I've been really stressed, but just like finding little times in the day. <laughs> wow, my brain. Just like finding something for myself that can help ease my mind from thinking like you have this to do, you have this to do. It's helpful. So... Thanks, Celeste. Yeah. It's pro and a con to this. Most of my work is done at home, and I really enjoy that a lot of it can be done on my own time. For example, editing doesn't really have much of a timeline besides just get the episode up before it releases on Wednesday mornings. And then teaching has set times, but practicing doesn't. So I don't have necessarily scheduled times to do things, which is really nice because that allows me the flexibility to work until... I can't focus and then I have the freedom to go take my dog for a walk or go for a run or exercise do something different so that way I don't feel like I'm just doing the same thing for eight hours with no break right this book has really helped me feel less guilty about leisure time I'm starting to value my evenings more because my husband works a typical nine to five sort of job so during the week the only time I really see him is the evenings Mm -hmm. so I usually try to not work in the evenings so that way I can either enjoy hanging out with him or unwind myself but it's difficult because as a musician who teaches privately most of my students are weekday evenings Mm -hmm. 
So it's about mm, right. being able to turn my brain off once I'm done teaching instead of being like, oh, you know, I can squeeze in two hours of editing or, oh, I got to plan for my lessons tomorrow or got to think about clinicianing tomorrow. It's No, just mm-hmm. unwind, play a game on the Switch, play a board game, read. Right. I've done, like, work for 12 hours straight, 13 hours straight. It's not fun. It's awful. It it's honestly the most draining thing. Like Even when you love what you do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. I have definitely pushed myself where I have, like, been working since, like, 5 a.m. in the morning, and I don't stop working until, like, 9. And it's not healthy because, like, I did that a lot last year, and I did that a lot the year before. And all it's really done has – it's just caused me – a lot of anger. I've just been angry because I'm always working. It's just really annoying because when you're working that much and you're not seeing results that you want to see, because I've always told Mm -hmm. myself like, it'll pay off, it'll pay off, it'll pay off. But the more that I was working these long hours and telling myself that, the less I felt like it was paying off because I wasn't Mm. making more money. I get, like, sometimes, like, those days may happen, but I was, like, basically running myself to the ground doing that, like, mainly every day. And I think I did that because when the pandemic did happen and I wasn't working as much, like, at schools last year and I wasn't doing much music things, but I wanted to. I think, like, I put... You jump into work super eagerly. You're like, wow, I finally have work again. I finally have a purpose. And then you go from working maybe one hour a day to 12. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even before, like, things started coming back up, before I started getting all my teaching gigs back, during the pandemic, I literally worked myself to death because I was just like, we need money, and I'm not making as much money like I was beforehand. I was really freaked out about my finances and at the time like I mean I was trying to pay off my car I was trying to like pay off all these things it was really hard to kind of not do work and I put myself in this place where now like today (laughs) if I am idle I'm kind of like freaking out I'm like oh no I should be doing something like I feel really guilty sometimes when I have days off and most of the time my day off is on a Tuesday, which is a weekday. And that's not a day off for many other people because most of the time people are working. Like, that's a work day for a lot of people. But it's a day off for me because I put it aside mm-hmm. as a day off. And when I am idle on Tuesday and I'm on social media and everybody is, like, busy and at work, I feel like I should be at work too. So then I start working on my day off and then I'm like, what am I doing? This is not what I want to do. But, Yeah. Right. Nayara, this is something that we didn't talk about the last time we recorded this, but you live in China. How did the pandemic affect you? Because, I mean, you are American, but you have a non-American perspective on it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Before the pandemic, I was very much like, I still identify as an introvert, but I was very much workaholic, introvert to myself, like got energy from being alone in China, well, so at the beginning of the pandemic, I went home and I was in the U.S. for seven months. Then I went back to Asia, to Korea, and then finally came back to China. And just getting the perspective in different places really kind of changed my idea of what I want to do with my life. So before, 
it was all about teaching and I kind of view teaching as a hobby more than just a job. Um, and so my waking hours were consumed with planning and with finding lesson plan ideas and with classroom management strategies and blah, 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 and all of this stuff. And little time was spent on leisure, on self-care, on like making new friends, on having new experiences. Even though I live in a different country, I live in China, I was living kind of like I would just live in the States, like go to work, come home, work some more, go to sleep, go to work, come and work some more, maybe go on a vacation, maybe, but also on that vacation, I would take my work and go sit in some beautiful location and do more work. Like that was my life. But post pandemic, it was kind of like just all the isolation and the fact that I kind of had to force myself to reevaluate how important leisure was in my life because I had to teach online school during the pandemic in China while I was still in the States for seven months. And that was brutal having to basically sleep all day and then wake up at about 5 p.m. and have breakfast when the sun was already setting and then start teaching at about 8 p.m. That was really tough and I teach straight through the night. So you're essentially working like the night shift. Yeah, it's like I never saw the sun mm. and that did so much to my psyche that I just it's hard to explain the feeling mm. of that. And so when there was downtime, it was during the day. And so when I was awake, I had a chance to go for a walk, which back before COVID, I never did that. I always came home, worked some more, went back to work. I had time to spend time with family, to like go for a, a drive just because. When I came back to China and I was back in a regular time zone, it was almost like I was, I was craving all these things I felt like I've been missing because I was so focused on being productive and focused on my job that I forgot like there's more parts to me too than just that. Mm -hmm. The pandemic affected me in that it completely flipped me upside down. It was like, you can be good at your work and enjoy your work, but also like focus on the parts of your work that aren't actually the job job, the things that you like, and then have new hobbies and have other focuses. And so now I feel like a completely different person. I love to go out. I love to meet new people. I love to be out of my house. I love leisure time. Like I love ending work when work is finished and coming home and having my wine in my <laughs> love is blind glass. And that's where I'm at now. So it's had a huge effect on me completely flipped my idea. It's really interesting that you said that you want to be more than your work and more than your job, because one of the big points in this chapter specifically that Celeste argues and points out is that a lot of the reason why work gives us meaning is because we identify so strongly with what our jobs are. You know, uh, when we meet people and when we introduce ourselves to a stranger, one of the first questions is, what do you do for a living? So we can categorize them in our heads. It has this even stranger dynamic with us as musicians because we all identified as musicians before this was our career. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the hardest part, honestly. And we are still mm -hmm. musicians outside of work yeah. to this day. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's about mm -hmm. being more than that. And I think kind of piggybacking off of what you said earlier. Piggy banking. Oh, I tried to remember <laughs> <laughs> what it was. Yeah. Piggy banking <laughs> off of what you said. It was really COVID that forced me to get other hobbies besides music. I enjoyed doing other things besides music. 
for a while, but I didn't really pay them that much attention. I mean, I ran, but it was really to help deal with my own anxiety and just for fun. But when I couldn't do that much music stuff during COVID, it was like, what do I do now? I tried my hand at gardening. I got more into baking. We got a dog right before COVID. <laughs> so I ran a lot with her and I found out that David and I love playing board games together. It's about how do we balance how we perceive ourselves in the workplace versus like who we are outside of work. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's interesting to have had my work be, because I mean, at the beginning, it was really fun. And I think it was really COVID that, that, uh, not spearheaded, what's the word for? Trailblaze. Moved it along. (laughs) Uh, Trailblazed. uh, uh, um, Exaggerated. You know, exacerbated, exaggerated, pushed, made my burnout happen (laughs) a lot faster. Yeah. (laughs) It was, with the speed I was going, it was inevitable, but COVID really kicked it into high gear, kicked my burnout into high gear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because suddenly you see you're still putting all this work and time into it, but you're not actually getting out much. Yeah. Because of stuff out of your control. Yes, not at all. And that was the hardest thing. I liked how in this, she talked about the parts of our job that are the things that make give us meaning and what those things are rather than just like the productivity isn't what gives us meaning. It's the other pieces. So for me, watching my students grow and become decent people and their jokes and getting to interact with them is my favorite part of the job. But when we were doing online school, we didn't get any of that. In fact, they were sadder Mm -hmm. because it was COVID. And so they didn't want to interact really. They didn't really want to talk. And that was so strange for me. So I'm putting all this work into these planning things like I used to do. And it just wasn't giving me the same thing. And so I started thinking to myself, like, who am I then? Without interactions with the kids and seeing their their reactions to these things that I'm creating, then who Mm -hmm. am I? And I was like... I don't know, man, was it a, like a life-changing kind of realization? It's like, who am I then? Yeah. If this thing that gives me meaning isn't here. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was a huge part of COVID on my end too. And I think we talked about this in Atomic Habits, the, the sense of identity yeah. and your sense of self. I felt like I was having a, a crisis during COVID like everyone else because of being a musician was my my purpose and my sense of self and my sense of identity, but COVID just really forced me to, I guess, change that viewpoint. It's just interesting because we identify so strongly with our work and who we are with our work, and I feel like it bleeds into our personal lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She has a lot of studies here in this chapter that show that people are happier at work. Your chance of suffering dementia drops 3% for mm-hmm. every extra year of work. It's fascinating because I guess like your brain is actually working mm-hmm. and it's just like, oh, Yeah, okay. your brain's <laughs> working. It keeps you thinking critically. About- it's all about making new connections mm-hmm. with dementia. It's like the more you can make new connections in your brain, the more you can stave it off. And I thought about The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which Nara is definitely a book that you should read. So you should mm, read that yes. and Atomic Habits. It's in my Amazon card. <laughs> She talks about how progress requires hard work, and I kind of related it to the subtle art with our obsession with legacy and, Mm. you know, what's going to be here after we die. And for most people, I think I said the last time we recorded this, most of the time with people, it's either their kids or their work. Mm -hmm. And I think we just need to be okay with, 
either not leaving anything behind or leaving something more leisurely behind. Mm. Like, do you want to be remembered yeah. as a workaholic? Yeah. Right. For all we know, we might have one life. Mm-hmm. And if, mm-hmm. are you going to waste all your time working? Right. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I wondered how much of this productivity, feeling like it's a need, ties in with school. When I first became a teacher, what struck me was not how, teaching obviously is not an easy job, but I could choose how I use my time where students have no choice. So all day for eight hours a day, it's class, 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 work, 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 after school activity, go home, sleep, come back, do it again. And that starts in kindergarten, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like, we get into this cycle of this is what we do. We go to work, we go to work, we go to work, we go, 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 go all the time. Then when we get into university, we go, go, go. And especially as music majors, we know we have like no downtime. (laughs) And when we do, we have none, we have none. And when we do, we're also musicians at heart. So we're spending more time in Mm -hmm. our craft, right? So we're going, going, going. Then when we leave university and we go into the work field, we feel this need to go, go, go. And how much of it is because we've been going since we were five years old. And now it's like, we don't know how to relax. Yeah, we've been doing the same thing for 20 years. Yeah. When I left university and started teaching, when I couldn't be in choir anymore, it was the strangest thing because I had been in choirs every year of my life since I was in middle school. And to suddenly be teaching choir, but not be in it was the strangest thing. And it was almost like I didn't know how to function without it. And I had to learn how to. It's so wild. I would like scour the internet looking for choirs somewhere in the world that I can join. And it's just, I felt like I couldn't function without being in a choir for a while. And I had to learn how to be without it. So I wonder if that's similar with working. It's something that we've done for so long. We have to relearn how to not do it and how to relax. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, have y'all heard that school is basically just prepping kids for the workplace? Oh. Mm-hmm. Especially. It, it is. I don't think I've ever heard it, but it makes sense because like. Mm-hmm. And then that's why kids have homework partially is so that way they're used to bringing their work home with them. Right. See, even down to homework, mm-hmm. like everything. It's the way that education, the system is set up is very much like mirroring what adults do in the workforce yeah and just normalizing it as a exact kid yeah Mm -hmm. it's pretty messed up if you really think about it it is Mm -hmm. i feel like it's become so normalized that like for me at least like i've worked so much that i don't not only have no time for myself but like also socializing Mm -hmm. it's kind of sad because like i feel like these last like couple years at least i felt very alone because I've been working so much. I know that it's affected me mentally a lot and made me feel like I kind of suck. <laughs> you don't. You I don't suck. Not at I all. I feel like I've just like worked so much, especially like within the last like couple years because I don't talk to as many people anymore like I used to. 
And even, like, some of the people that I did used to talk to, like, before the pandemic, like, when I reach out to them, like, I don't really get a response back. And part of it is, like, I'm asking myself, is it because I work so much and, like, I've just kind of disconnected from everybody? Because, like, I tend to do that. If I'm busy, I'm busy and I don't want to really, like, that's, like, the only thing I need to focus on. And I get anxiety because of, like, if I hang out with people or if I do something else, then I'm never going to get this thing done that I need to get done. Or I'm going to have more work pile up. I've kind of like been beating myself up because I'm just like, because I've been working so much and been focusing on what I'm doing, is that why now like I've kind of lost connections with other people? I feel like now that I've like reached out to some people and I don't get as much of a response back, I feel like it's because I've done that to myself. I'm just like, well, like this kind of sucks now. Like, I don't think that's really a you thing. I think that's pretty universal. With COVID and everything, everyone has felt well, I shouldn't say everyone, but most people have felt a sense of loneliness or isolation. I know David and I have fallen out of contact with a lot of acquaintances and casual friends that we had mm-hmm. because we just didn't see them for a long time. And, you know, you're so caught up in your own stuff that you kind of lose touch. So there was this couple, another couple that David and I used to hang out with maybe once every few months. And I'm still friends with them on Instagram, but... I haven't hung out with them in, like, two years, Mm -hmm. for example. COVID happened, and the only people that, again, I shouldn't say everyone, because I know that there were some people who were just openly hanging out with people. Dave and I were not those people. We took the shutdown very seriously. And then, basically, until we were vaccinated, we didn't really see anyone except family and then some close friends, you know, at a distance. But... I feel like when your own personal life is complete chaos, you kind of only focus on your immediate surroundings. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot Mm -hmm. of people have lost contact with people who would be otherwise acquaintances or maybe not super close friends. Mm -hmm. It's funny because COVID should have been a time where we were finding new hobbies, finding time for our families, finding time for our friends, but instead it was a time of mental anguish. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. I, I don't know about y'all, but I had more free time during the pandemic until I got that stupid job at Total Wine. Until <laughs> I hated that job. I hated it. It sucked. But COVID should have been a time where we invested in ourselves and invested in our families, and we couldn't because... It was just an ongoing mental crisis. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to David about this a while ago because I was like, wow, if we were in a better place, this would have been a great time. I had so much free time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I got a lot of yard work done. I did a lot of exercising, but I mean, we're still in a pandemic and COVID's still around, but I'm happy that social isolation is behind me because Mm -hmm. let me tell you, if there's another lockdown, I got like pandemic fatigue. I like, can't do that again. Oh, oh my yeah. God. That's so real. Pandemic feet. Oh my God. That is so real. It's so real. We're kind of going through it right now where there's a bunch of cases peaking here and there. Our students are boarders and they usually go home every weekend, but there have been students who can't go home because their area is a risk mm-hmm. area now. And so they've been at school for five weeks, six weeks, okay. and you just see the pandemic fatigue on these kids. And it's like, I get it. It's been so long. It's been so long. But it's funny you mentioned free time because when I left the States in July 2020 and I went to Korea, I went there not for vacation, but to get closer. Well, one, escape 
the craziness that was going on in the States in 2020 and to be closer to China so that when it eventually opened up back up, I could get back in without having to travel 12 hour flight mm-hmm. in a pandemic and do layovers in a pandemic. Like that was a lot. So I knew there was a direct flight from Atlanta to Seoul and I knew Seoul because I lived there before and I was like, I'm going. And when I went, kind of like you said, I was able to experience a better headspace and the free time of the pandemic. Yeah. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because I left, I was able to teach in like closer time zone to China. So I wasn't awake at night like a vampire. And I had sun. a lot nicer. (laughs) A lot nicer. There was sun to make me happy. I wasn't like depressed and sad. (laughs) But then also because I could experience the idea of like finding a new hobby and getting to teach virtually. So my prep periods, I was able to go for a walk in the park and go get a coffee or have lunch at an actual restaurant in Korea because at the time COVID was in a good place. So I was able to like go out to eat for lunch on my lunch break. And so I was able to experience that, like the repressive, like mental struggles of COVID and not being able to take advantage of that time, but then also be able to have a couple months where I was able to figure out that piece of it. It was nice. So you're right. Like it would have been nice if we were all in a better headspace in that time because I feel like we could have all changed the world probably if the world was in a better headspace at the beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's just the fact that everything went on so long. It's about I guess finding the balance mm-hmm. and it's something that I don't think anyone really did well. At least no, no. one I know. Mm-hmm. I didn't. No yeah. one in our age group. No. I feel like people who are in my <laughs> no. parents' age bracket didn't really react like our age bracket did yeah (laughs) i saw a meme the other day i forgot exactly what it said but it was like millennials after having gone through two recessions a pandemic this that financial crises like inflation inflation right and now headed into like another wave of the pandemic and it was world war (laughs) three oh yeah it was that it was that and now headed into world war three and so it was like i I feel like our generation has just been through it we've been through it i'm kind of fed up (laughs) if y'all i just I'm just yes, yes. guys. Like I'm exhausted. Like sometimes I'm just like, can we just pause, please, everybody, or just stop? <laughs> can we just mm-hmm. stop, please? Just everything needs to stop for a second, please. <laughs> Speaking of just stopping for a second, we could actually end this section here if y'all are okay with it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we'll end this section here. Section two will pick up with chapter eight. And here's a commercial break. Hey, you look kind of peppy. I am peppy because I just drank a cup of coffee from La Belle Rosette Espresso and Wine Bar. That's in Denver, right? Yep. We are located right across the street from the University of Denver. And do they have more than just espresso and wine? Yeah, we have breakfast burritos, paninis, pastries, teas. We have a lot. If someone was walking through Denver, and let's say this person was me, and let's say I wanted a panini, when is LaBelle open so I can go and get one? We are open from 7 to 5 Monday through Friday, 7 to 2 on Saturdays, 8 to 2 on Sundays. And if you use the code FPPODCAST, you'll get 15% off your order, whether you're in-store or online at LaBelleRosette.com. That's a really good deal. Totally a good deal, and it's even a better deal when you get to see moi at the store. Is that a good deal? Uh, not really, but I actually need to head to work right now because I'm going to be late. Oh. So I'm going to go. Go to La Belle Rosette. Go. Bye. Right now. Drop <laughs> everything. Go. Go. 
Here's my second half. I'm not going to move my microphone. Okay, sorry about All that. All right. second half. We got yeah. it. <laughs> Nara, do you remember what you were saying? Uh, <laughs> was I talking about like admin coming to talk to you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And oh, yes. Okay, I remember. I remember. When they were giving us bad news about our school. I was sick the day they gave us that news. And my head of school made it a point to be like, please don't tell Nayara until I can call her myself. Like, I don't want it to come through the grapevine. I don't want her to hear from like, like random text messages or through like a group chat. Like, I want to let her know all the facts from me face to face first. And so on my sick day, she was like, hey, I know you're sick. Can I Zoom call you? And I'm like sniffly, you know, head tie on, tea in my hand. I'm like, yeah. And she was like, yeah, we're doing this thing. We're closing the middle school. And it was really sad, but I was really happy that she wanted to talk to me face to face and not to send an email or have someone text me. It was, I want to tell you face to face because I know this means a lot to you. I appreciated that. And so it's kind of like in our admins culture, it's one good thing for sure, at least, um, that they, they make it a point to use human voice to connect with us rather than just like sending us a a memo an email about something a yeah. memo no. yeah yeah it makes you feel like it's personable in a way like hey like i appreciate it because when i was reading this chapter at least in this section and thinking about it i thought about social media how to keep people engaged and what people kind of want to see and what i've been reading about with social media trends is that kind of people want more relatable content And that's why people have been going to TikToks and stuff because it's a short video format. You're seeing mostly the person live and they're speaking to you or doing something fun and interactive. And so that's why like a lot of people on Instagram have been like, oh, you should do more reels and stuff and doing more human connection interaction. And so I've been trying to do that like on my stories, like just instead of putting out like a text and a picture or something or like a post thing. Sometimes I just try to like put on my camera and I'm like, okay, I look like crap, but here we go. And I hate speaking to the camera. I hate it because half the time <laughs> when I speak on my stories, I have to like redo them because I'm always like, bleh, bleh, bleh. but <laughs> you do well. You do. I, I do well after like the fifth take because <laughs> I'm like, okay, like I know what I'm going to say. <laughs> But I like doing that kind of stuff because I feel like I'm being a little bit more engaging to whoever is looking on my story. And I'm not just doing something where it's just a text and I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. It's kind of the same way what I do with Zoom lessons or not Zoom lessons, just the flute lessons in general. If I meet a new student, I used to do something where I just would send them an email full of this information and that's it. When I started getting into Zoom and stuff, I was like, everybody is usually on Zoom nowadays, so why not have like a meeting before we do the first lesson? That way they can kind of like meet me, in quotations, and mm-hmm. see what I look like, hear my voice, know that I'm a person. I'm not just somebody that you saw on my website that is like, oh, I do lessons like this, blah, 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 blah. Like I want to explain things like, okay, here's the reason why I have this on my policy and... Do you have any questions about Mm -hmm. anything flute related? I like doing that because I feel like then I have like a little bit somewhat of a connection and whoever the parent or the student is. And I don't feel like I'm guessing who's coming to my house on Monday at this time. You know, I have like a sense like, okay, like this is I want to. You know, I want people to feel like comfortable in a way, not to where they're like. Not where they're like, what? who is this person? What does she do? Right. I'm scared. Right. Of. I've thought about this with dating, like online dating too. I wonder how that could change 
if instead of a picture of somebody, you had to put a video of yourself talking and juicing yourself. You might have just sparked a new idea for, like, all the internet platforms. What are we going to call this dating service? Leave this out so we can, like, make profit off of this. (laughs) (laughs) Create a patent. Wait, I got it. What is the name? Dating for real. R-E-E-L. And it has the number four. Yes. Dating for real. Yeah. Oh, man, that slaps. I love it. Keep this out. Edit this out. We got to keep this for us. This is us. Send it to like uh what is it like send it to what is that what is that show Shark Tank is Shark that what Tank. it's called send oh it to yeah <laughs> dating for real I wonder why how why hasn't any dating app done this yet maybe they need to read this book that's a good question I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet since like TikTok has like taken over the world since 2020 right, right. it struck me when she was saying like. It was a quote, and I highlighted it, and I can't find it. But it was... You got this. Our humanity... Hold on, I can find it. I can find it. I can do it. I can't find it. But that's okay. (laughs) Our humanity is wrapped up in a little, a small box or something like that. Our humanity is in our phones, and it's Mm -hmm. in our hands, and it's a very small box. Something like that. Like, our our humanity is in text messages now, where Mm -hmm. human connection is what we're good at. So it's like we should be focusing on that, especially when we're doing things like online dating. I feel like it would change. There's guys that I've seen a picture of and then met them in person and their vibe is totally different than I would have expected. Mm -hmm. And that changes like how attractive I would have found them initially had I seen met them in person or something, you know? So I wonder about that. Dating for reals. She did mention kind of piggybacking, piggy banking. Piggy banking. Piggy banking. I keep thinking about piggyback. But, like, you did mention, though, something about how maybe, like, in the year 2070, I think, or it was, like, maybe further down the road than that. No, like it, was how... like, it was, like, 7,000. Yeah, year 720, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I think it was, like, 7020. Which, like, insane if time lasts that long. That would be I'm going to be so dead about that point. Yeah, I'll be so dead. If the world lasts another 100 years, I'll be surprised. <laughs> yeah by that time i'm an amoeba (laughs) like i'm an amoeba somewhere (laughs) right but she mentioned how like maybe like in that time frame like in the future text might be what speech is today and there might be some other kind of format that people are kind of like trending towards maybe it's the video format maybe it's something a little bit more interactive than text Mm -hmm. so then we have community which is just having a sense of belonging we were made to survive with others we evolved with the need to belong to a group and putting the needs of that group above others and sometimes above yourself and again i thought of atomic habits how you need to find people with like interests and values to help you be the person that you want to be and when Mm -hmm. we don't listen to these urges to socialize we tend to get sicker both physically and mentally you're more likely to get cancer or suffer a heart attack you're more likely to be prone to stress or depression and you'll have a less effective immune system. That whole study she did about couples, married couples, where if they reported that there was hostility in their marriage and they gave them like a blister on their arm, they mm-hmm. were twice mm-hmm. as slow as healing that blister. If they reported hostility in their marriage, it was kind of wild. Yeah. Oof. That chapter made me feel kind of alone because I was like, oh, I feel like I need to socialize. 
<laughs> it's kind of ironic because when this book came out, it probably came out in the middle of the pandemic of somewhat, mm-hmm. in some shape, way, or form. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure when people were reading this for the first time, they were pretty much at home, like right. isolated. And they're like, great. I'm still here. Kind of an ironic time for the book to come out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do nothing. Literally. Okay, I'm stuck at home anyway. Right. Might as well. It did make me realize, like, I have been a lot more stressed and sad because I have been working a lot and I don't hang out with as many people as I used to. I think part of it is, like, I'm not at school anymore. A lot of the people that I did go to school with are, like, either gone or they're way too busy and they have their own lives. I feel like I've kind of just, like put myself in a really reclusive kind of place since COVID that now like sometimes if I do go out I have like a little bit of anxiety I'm like Mm. I have to go out like I have to meet people like I feel really anxious like going out or even asking people if they want to hang out or whatnot I'm getting better at it but it makes me feel really kind of sad And I think Mm -hmm. that's why I've, like, shifted over to more social media and communicating with people on social media because it's easier to do it there since it's right there on your phone, which kind of goes to Chapter 9. That's so relatable because I feel like my entire life was what you're experiencing now. I think, for me, I was like that until COVID. By the way, a lot of people I've spoken to, it's been kind of the opposite. So, like, if they were more isolated and more, um, like, not reclusive, that's a bad word, like, more... Introverted? Kind of, because, you know, introverted is more energy than, like, wanting to necessarily always... You, you, you can want to be social and be an introvert, but, like, more yeah. more wanting to be at home, I guess. More to yourself. Homebody. Homebody, yeah. yeah. More home of a homebody. There, there's yeah, the that's, Good job. That's a good word. It's like, more what's of a, the word? What is the word for that? I've heard a lot of people who are more of a homebody at first after COVID came out. That is my story. Um, and people who have were really like out there, outgoing, out partying after COVID wanted to be home more. And I, I've heard a lot of things like that where people have completely flipped, which stinks because all the people that I was avoiding because they were too social before COVID now are at home and now I want to be social. And so now... What are we going to do? Now they're at home. So what do I do? But I have, right? There was another quote. I keep looking for quotes. I should have written down like where these quotes are. But it was talking about how isolating is actually like it causes more stress than we realize. And I started to realize too, because I face so much social anxiety going out with people prior to COVID. Even still now, I still face it. But I always go back to the fact that it was in my head and I know now that I always feel better when I make an effort to go meet people and hang out with people and meet new people and have new experiences like even tonight tonight is my birthday party birthday celebration which will be fun Aww. happy birthday happy birthday my birthday is not till Tuesday but we're having a little oh a little happy big early thing. birthday thank you yeah. <laughs> cheers yeah. to the weekend <laughs> yes but I'd be lying if I said I even though my friends will be there and it's not going to be people I don't know I have some anxiety going into tonight still but I also know that five minutes into arriving I'm gonna feel okay and that like an hour after I'm Mm -hmm. gonna be having a good time and tomorrow might I be hungover possibly but also my spirit will be fulfilled because I'll be doing (laughs) I'll be socially interacted this book reminded me that it's important to try to make an effort to figure out how I can hang out with people more often and especially when we're more stressed 
I think it's easier to just like go into your cave because you're like, I'm so tired. Like, I don't want to hang out with anybody. Yeah. This is what I need right now, even though that's not what you need right now. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It it is what you need because you're already so mentally tired. But really what could help with that possibly is going out. Now, I know also like social anxiety really (laughs) takes over. I understand that totally. I started realizing post-COVID that it was more my own mental social anxiety than it was actually the social interactions that were exhausting me. So I was exhausted not because of being social. I was exhausted because I was so anxious about being social. And once I've been learning how to process that, I've been able to not get over it because it's still there, but see beyond it. And it was it's good to read this and remind myself that, yes, it is a good thing even though I'm not feeling it, even when I'm feeling tired or stressed or anxious, it's still a good idea to try and get out and be social for my own mental health in the long run. I'm going to take that in for myself, if you don't mind. (laughs) You got (laughs) it. Thank you for sharing that, Ayara. I appreciate it because I think I'm just in my head a lot and I think it's part of me being alone because like, I think ever since I've moved here to Denver, like... Babe, you're never alone with me around. I know. I know. But, like, when I first moved here, it's like I didn't know anybody at all. Like, I purposely moved somewhere where I was like, don't know anybody. I'm just going to move here. Like, yay. Yeah, I felt the right. same way when I moved to Milwaukee. That is truly isolating. Mm. It was very isolating. Like, I had a roommate, and I, there were times where I did hang out with her and her friends. and But I was mainly at school a lot. And I think because, like, I developed this, like, busy work ethic, and it kind of carried on through, like, after grad school and everything. And then COVID, I just completely isolated myself. I still see people, but I think I'm just in my head a lot because I've been alone a Mm -hmm. lot. And when you're alone, you think a lot. And so... Oh, yeah. Oh, you're speaking to my Mm -hmm. soul. I know this feeling 100%. So close. So called out by you, Catherine. (laughs) (laughs) Once, like, things started getting a little bit more back to normal and people were like, you know, getting the vaccine and they were coming out last like summer ish. That was when I was like realizing like, okay, I'm doing something where it's not healthy for myself and I need to like figure out how can I get past that. I've been stuck for a very long time. It's hard to push beyond it. Literally right after COVID, I started feeling this like overwhelming loneliness and just the need to hang out with people that I've never experienced before because I've been introverted my whole life and I still am, but I do like to be social Mm -hmm. now. But I remember that overwhelming loneliness and literally in social situations, I would start feel the anxiety starting to build up and I would have to like look at something and be like, oh, the wall is white. The sun is shining outside just to get out of my head because I would be thinking Mm -hmm. so much about what I'm doing, what I'm saying, and Mm -hmm. if people are perceiving what I'm saying incorrectly, but I would literally have to look away and breathe and look at the, oh, there's a drink on the table. That's a brown table. It's a brown, shiny table. Oh, it's a tall table. Well, there's three people sitting at, literally just to get away from thinking too much about myself. So it's hard. It's not easy. It's really, it's hard. It takes time. You go, girl. You got this. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I got this. I have faith in myself. This book has been calling me out. Like, I think all of us out. And it's so glad we're reading this book. (laughs) So I think at the end of the day, the question that we need to ask is, is tech the blame? Uh, Mm. Chapter nine. Yes. (laughs) 
Are you taking a hard yes, Nayara? I'm taking a hard yes. Uh, as a person who's addicted to technology. So. Yes. Okay. Nayara's a hard yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are, yes. You, are you a hard yes or a yes. soft yes? I'm going to put... Can I just put a yes? Like a plain yes? Okay, yes. Okay, so Catherine's a plain yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. Oh. Okay. I love these opinions here. Okay. <laughs> let's go. Let's dig into it. So the reason why I actually say no is because her whole argument is that the purpose of technology is great. For example, when we were talking earlier about texts, texting is great. If you use it to send a quick message and it's not a big deal, it's to advance progress, make things more efficient or effective, but it's when we misuse technology, that's when Mm -hmm. we have an issue. Okay, can I change my answer? The misuse of tech is the problem. (laughs) So are you a soft yes now or are you a no? I'm still a hard yes and I'll get to that. It's because of your point. You just asked so you could change your answer. What rules are you playing by? Hey, as a human, I'm making my own rules here. (laughs) So it's like I'm changing my answer. It's a hard yes, but the reason behind it is different. I'll get there. there's a big but. There's a big but. Keep going. I'll get there. I'll get there. I like big butts and I cannot lie. Is it okay if I like kind of chime in for a second about the technology? Something in your face, you get Brittany has to finish the solo first. Oh, I know, right? She got it. I could sing like that whole song. It's kind of embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Oh, that's for our Patreon. In an effort to make us back on topic, I'm gonna read the top of (laughs) course page one fifty five. Most people touch their phones about 2,600 times between waking and sleeping and spend about five hours browsing on them every day. Consider that when you're feeling pressed for time. Out of a 24-hour day, you probably spend about six to seven hours sleeping and eight hours at work. That leaves just nine hours, and you spend more than half that time staring at your phone. 85% of us use them while chatting with our family and friends. I probably don't even need to prove this point since more than half of Americans admit they're addicted to their phones. Raise your hand if you feel personally victimized by Celeste Headley. Me. <laughs> you guys all have, like, phones where they tell you, like, how long, like, your screen time has been for the week. It always makes me feel so bad. Because there's sometimes where I feel like I'm doing really good, and then other weeks I'm like, ooh, it's definitely <laughs> on there too much. Like I started ignoring it. Trivia <laughs> 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 crack. Oh you know, you God. could turn it off if you don't want to see it. <laughs> I see it because I feel like I should be paying attention to it, and I have it on, but I tend to ignore it and just clear it out. But you're like, nah, fam. Nope. <laughs> Don't want to see it. I know my problems. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> when I turned on my laptop, before it like loaded up my main screen and everything, it had like... I don't want to call it a screen saver. Maybe it is. It's, it's just like one of those, like, it's loading, and then it like leaves I don't know but it had a message on there and it said have you taken time for yourself today take five minutes away from your screen from when you're gaming because like I guess like my laptop thinks I'm gaming and I was like wow is my laptop like reading my mind right now is it reading do nothing (laughs) yeah (laughs) probably is Celeste Headley in my laptop right now (laughs) yes she is well she did say that computers work fast so we do try to get our brains to work fast as a result oh that's right it don't work it yeah. don't work because it's they too can. fast. We need to process longer. Whenever we try to make our brains work too quickly, like technology, it results in a lot of mental noise, which the psychologist that she quotes, Daniel Kahneman, was the guy who wrote Noise, Catherine, the book that we're going to read at some yeah. point. Yeah. 
Ah, ooh, I'm excited. Which is another book you should read, Nayar, because we're going to read that at some point. Okay. Noise. Keep jotting these down. You got it. I have a list. But like slowing down our breathing, like what you're talking, Nara, mm-hmm. about the social anxiety, makes us calmer and improves our attention span, our decision making, and our cognitive function. We're not made to process things at a billion whatevers per whatever. Mm-hmm. No, we're not computers. Headley makes it a point to not respond to emails instantly or after 9 p.m. and that she finds it more relaxing. And I personally, I get stress as a freelancer because I know for a fact that I have missed out on gigs because I didn't respond to things soon enough or I've mm-hmm. missed a phone call. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's the hard part about it too because like yeah when i see a gig thing happening whether it's like on email or facebook i'm part of like a group where i almost said yes but then i was like no you got to take care of your body you got to take care of yourself do that first you don't need to do this gig but like i'm part of this theater musicians group on facebook for like here in Denver. And so when I get updates, they come automatically. I saw one for like a flute gig the other day and only one person responded, but they tagged the person. I was like, ooh, I could easily DM this person right now and get the gig, but I decided not to. It's like one of those things, cause it's like, you want money. You want to get like the job. That's what you want. It'll bring you to hopefully future jobs. And so if you don't respond to that immediately and you get like an email the next day, sorry, we already found somebody. It's just like, crap this sucks Mm -hmm. i really hope though someone is not emailing me at 10 o'clock at night asking me to play for them like in something like i feel like that might be a gig you want to avoid anyway like that sounds like a like someone who probably doesn't care much about your time anyway and yeah Yeah, i guess i wasn't thinking after the 9 p.m so much as the not responding to things instantly because some of the symphonies that i work for and also, some of the contractors I work for, they send mass emails and whoever responds first gets it. Kind of mm. sucks because it's just like first come, first yeah. So if I'm like, no, I value my time, then honestly, then I'm up shit creek without a paddle. I don't have right. any gigs. So I feel like it's easy to say when you're just responding. Like if I'm just responding to my students or their parents or teachers I work with, I feel like that's fine. But there are certain situations where you do need to be a little more quick on the draw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. She says that 95% of texts are read within three minutes and are responded to in 90 seconds after receiving. That was a, a crazy statistic there. Feels very true. And people will just stop whatever they're doing, whether it's pooping, mm-hmm. eating a meal, doing chores, getting dressed, or being present with the people that they're with. Mm-hmm. I've done this. Yep. I feel personally victimized. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep your hand up. <laughs> For all the things. Everyone. We, I feel like we're Everybody. all being attacked here. <laughs> being attacked. Right. This is awful. But I do have a friend here who like, she's, it's almost like a good reminder to stay off your phone because she's so constantly on her phone that it's really, really frustrating. It's like, if you send a message in a group chat, you know, she'll be the first one to respond every single time. If we're in the middle of a meeting, she'll be on her phone. If we're with kids, like having a like an assembly with all the middle school kids and she's there, she'll be on her phone while we're all like talking to the children and all the children can see that she's on her phone, not paying attention. It, it's kind of like, that's a good reminder to me of like how addicting phones can be and how maybe it's okay to just give it a rest for a second and not have to be yeah. on it constantly. I don't know if you guys ever done this before, but I've done this a million times. And I think this is why I sometimes get hooked on my phone a lot. But like, if I went somewhere, 
If I was like in a wondering the direction that this is going in. <laughs> so if I were like ever alone or if I were like in a situation where I was like in a room full of people and I really didn't know them that well or I would have my phone right next to me and I would like scroll through things just to like save time or like pretend that I'm doing something important. <laughs> Done that before. I don't know if yes. anybody else has. Raise your hand if you feel personally victimized <laughs> by Catherine. <laughs> yes. You're welcome. Yeah. But I, yeah. I did this a lot in high school, in middle school. Like, Oh, I still do that shit. But I remember having like my little flip phone, my Verizon one. I'd be like, oh, I'm getting a text <laughs> from somebody. Like, I'd be at a family reunion. I'd be like, sorry, I'm too cool for you guys. I'm just going to turn I'm going to get text. <laughs> text back my friend. Do you do that if you're in an awkward situation too? I still do that. Oh, yeah. Still. Yeah. yeah, I still do it, especially if the people around me are, like, on their phones. I'm like, I guess I should pull my phone out, and then I have nothing. I'm like, I guess I can check Facebook. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, you check, like, your Facebook, and you keep refreshing. It's the same, like, thing, and you're like, like somebody <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> Something happened. <laughs> Although, I'll be honest, I've totally been petty betty if like i'm at a friend function or something with a couple of close friends and they're on their phone i might be off on my phone like literally you put it face down in the middle of the table and look around with my phone off like i don't need to be on my phone unlike you people (laughs) whenever i go out to eat unless i'm logging in a beer on untapped i will put my phone on do not disturb and i either put it in my purse or my pocket or i put it face down on the table Mm -hmm. yeah and it annoys me when the person that I'm with hangs out on their phone. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm taking this time to be with you. Mm-hmm. I try to do that a little bit more whenever Woody and I go out. There have been instances where we've definitely been on our phones and like we're checking in on tap if we're at a brewery or we're just like reading, catching up with like whatever like we're scrolling through. I think what I've been trying to do whenever we go out is just like not having my phone and just like trying to like pay attention because like I've seen it a lot within the last like 15 years I want to say I've read multiple articles how like couples are if you don't have your phones or anything like that and you're you're talking to your significant other it's like what do we talk about you know what I mean I think we've been so dependent on our phones as like what do we talk about now like what are why are we here what are we doing like Mm -hmm. I think that's like why like taking away my phone at times because it's like I want to be have like a personal conversation and I want to be present and I want to be a human and interact like a human not be so much on my yeah. phone. I think like doing that habit of pretending that I had something going on on my phone <laughs> has caused me to like create an addiction to where now, mm. like if I do take out my phone, I'm just like, I don't need to. Now I'll see something. I'll be like, oh, I have to. And now right. it's just like a constant addiction. David doesn't use on top because he thinks it's stupid. And it <laughs> is. It's <laughs> rating beer. I mean, it's a social media app for beer. It's stupid. It <laughs> all is. my friends Trust use me. Untapped, and you're offending all of them right now. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> well, I mean, I like it a lot, but it is stupid if you really think about it. But he gets annoying when we're hanging out, and I'm like, I have to log in my beers, and he's like, Can't you? So I've started just like writing down what I would score them, and then I. Do it later. See, Woody mm. is the opposite. Every time we go out, he's like, did you check it in on Untapped? I'm like, no. <laughs> well, both of y'all use it. That's a little different. <laughs> we do. But he's the one that kind of coaxes me into it because he'll take my phone and he'll rate it himself. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. I don't feel like doing it. Because <laughs> like when I'm out drinking, like I'm out like drinking. 
having a, I'm having time. a good mm-hmm. time. Maybe I'm watching like something on the television or maybe I'm talking to somebody. But yeah, I'm like, I don't feel like checking this in yet. And he's like, why not? And I'm like, I'm just busy. Taco? Living life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What I really thought was interesting is how she said that younger generations are constantly on their phones and they don't get bored. And I was like, Wow, mm-hmm. it's true. I haven't though. been bored in years, honestly. I have not been bored in years. Like, actually Same. bored. I remember being bored as a kid. I have not been bored in my adult life, I think. She mentions these tech wizards. Steve Jobs comes to mind because, like, that was the first name that popped up. How he doesn't, like, give his kids, like, technology, like, tablets or anything. It kind of makes me feel like phones today are kind of, they're like the technology that parents are trying not to give their kids, but they kind of have to because, I mean... A lot of my younger students, I want to say, like, that are, like, 10 years old have phones. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why do you have a phone? And it's because a lot of the kids here, they, like, ride their bikes to school. They walk to school. They need that for, like, safety if they need to be picked mm-hmm. up or whatnot. But it just kind of goes back when I was a kid. I remember my parents, they didn't want me to watch TV all the time. And so they purposely, like, I only had 22 channels <laughs> growing up for, like, the first, like, decade of my life (laughs) and I asked my parents I was like why don't we have like Nickelodeon because I loved watching all that when I was at my friend's house and yeah show like those were shows that I loved whenever I like was over at my friend's house I thought that was a treat and my parents were like we don't want you to be brain dead and I'm like what's that supposed to mean (laughs) like they didn't want me to like watching tv all the time and then lo and behold then one magical day we had more than 22 channels my parents said it was an accident Maybe it was, but it kind of stuck for the rest of my life. But I remember being, like, a kid. I want to say early middle school, late elementary. I was watching TV all the time. I would be, like, on Zanga, like, pre-MySpace days. Zanga! Oh yes! You know what Zanga God. is! I, I Thank never you! Heard, but I know exactly what Zanga is. <laughs> I feel left out. And I'm in between y'all and age. I feel like I should not be the odd man out. <laughs> that was, like... Pre MySpace blogging days. I remember seeing it. Was it. the shit. Zanga. I, yes. <laughs> I can't believe it was Zanga. the shit. But I remember being on Zanga and like watching all the reruns of America's Next Top Model back when it was like six cycles. And I would be like watching TV, going on Zanga like constantly. And mm-hmm. I think that's why my parents were like, okay, like she's inside now, she's not outside. She's not practicing her flute. And I'm like, just engaged. I wasn't bored because I had, whenever there was a commercial on, whatever, say Freeform, because that was where America's Next Top Model was always probably mm-hmm. running. Whenever there was a commercial on, I would just go to the computer. And then I would go on the computer and like, oh my God, guys, like I'm watching America's Next Top Model. This is really great. LOL. Yeah. And then I would go back and like watch TV and then go back doing Mm -hmm. the same thing like back and forth like I hate commercials and that's like a thing for me like every time I see a commercial when I'm watching live tv I switch to another channel that has something else playing that way I'm not bored during the commercials and then I go back it's it's weird because now it's shifted to the phone and it's like the same kind of thing kids are now addicted to their phones a lot of the kids I teach I'm like don't you go outside do you ride a bike do you do you read and they're like, what? Right. And it's almost like if they do that, it's like, are there kids outside to even play with these days? <laughs> like, I don't see many kids out. Mm-hmm. I don't see many kids out. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Celeste makes it a point to see how, like, 
she says how impressionable kids are because kids see how adults perceive mm. technology as important. We carry it around all the time. We interrupt quality time and meals. And then that kind of further encourages them to get caught up in technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. Yeah. 100%. And they still mm-hmm. know more about technology than we do. And I'm like, what? They're like, don't you know these trends? I'm like, no. I don't right. want to know. We're old. Like, <laughs> We're old. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel know. very old. When I start hearing like some of my students, oh, I was on Instagram the other day. I'm, I literally like turn red. I'm like, you better not find mine. Oh my you god, better not find mine. My students find me all the time, and I'm a private, and they all try to add me. And there's one time where I think I unprivated <laughs> myself briefly for I forgot why, but it loaded like ten kids who had been in my request that I just didn't delete because I was like, oh, I'm not. Obviously, I'm not gonna add them. They just stayed in my request pile. Yeah. And, like, when I switched to private for some reason, I forgot they were there. And all 10 kids, like, loaded into my Instagram. And two of them started DMing me. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. No. cannot be. No. All of you. I have a an old student. And I taught them when they were really young. They were great kids. I love teaching them. I found one time I was on my story. And I saw them in my story. And I was like, oh. Oh my god. I was like, no, you can't find me. Like I and yeah, kind of like here. I hadn't Yeah, I hadn't like taught them in like I wanna say maybe mm, five years when I saw that. But I was sitting there and I was like, oh, I feel so I feel so cringy right now because they're looking at everything that I'm saying and doing on here and I just feel yeah. so weird about it because I'm not their teacher anymore, but I'm just like now like I'm friends with them on Instagram and I think it's really great how they're thriving they're like graduating high school I'm really proud of them so it's just like oh like it's so cute to see that you have blossomed into an adult a young adult and see that's a good use of social media right that's like a that's a benefit of it it's getting to see people you haven't seen in a while how they're growing how they're changing updates on life it's where that like incessant scrolling comes in that's so so negative but that's such a good point it's such a that's such a beautiful part of social media it's like there's so many people in our lives that we say bye to and we never see again that or people we've met once or twice that had a good conversation with that we'll never see again but now you can connect with these people and stay in touch with them and make more connections yeah it's like a good way to passively keep in contact with people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what I really like about social media and like putting myself out there is meeting a lot of people in the music community and in the flute world getting to meet people that like I because I didn't know oh Oh, kitty that's (laughs) a mad baby (laughs) like Lacey's it's like Lacey's like she does that all the time she's like she acts like she held like a baby she acts like she hates it but she likes it but she acts like oh see yeah that's basically i, I think Lacey just hates it though <laughs> she's like ew but yeah like i think what i really like about social media is how it connected me with other flutists because i like to get to know other people in the music world that i don't really see or know every day And I've been able to connect with some people and kind of like discover things that I didn't know about with music, which I think is really interesting. And I've like taken exercises that other flutists have shared that they've created that helped them out. And I've like taken that in for my own practice and shown it to my students. And I kind of like that aspect of social media and that connection. I think it's really helped me come out of my shell. I think it's just now doing it in person. It's like, how can I do that 
face-to-face, not just behind a screen. There are some good bits of social media, but I can see how, like, in other ways, like, being on your phone all the time, it's not so great. Well, we get stress. Technology, with all the constant notifications, sets off fight-or-flight response with all the notifications. It physically stresses us out, causes tension in our bodies, and it emotionally stresses us out. So I think she said that people will literally feel drained at the end of the day just from receiving notifications on their phone. And I just want to say, if you haven't activated the focus settings on your iPhones, you need to do it now because it's a lifesaver. The different settings have helped me focus better in different environments. There's like a sleep setting and a work setting and then a personal setting. And you can mute different people or apps or calls depending on what you're doing. It's amazing. Mm. I just discovered it back in January. And I was like, why haven't I done this my whole life? I haven't used it at all. I've seen it, but I haven't tried it at all yet. You need to use it. It's great. I like the sleep one because I will turn on sleep a few hours before I go to bed because I like to read before I go to bed. But if I'm getting constantly blared by notifications, Mm -hmm. it's distracting and I can't Mm -hmm. properly wind down. And the work one... Eh, the work one's kind of whatever because I'm not normally if if work one's on I'm usually at schools and I'm not on my phone when I'm at schools mm-hmm. so I don't really use the work one that much but the personal one is nice because I don't have like Siri telling me everything on Instagram because I'm also hooked to the fiddle and pipe page which I love and appreciate all the work that Catherine does but I don't need to hear the constant Instagram updates when I'm There's a lot. <laughs> trying to run <laughs> right yeah It's just nice. I actually did it today because I am a procrastinator and I didn't read these three chapters until today. So I put my phone on the personal focus and I just read these chapters and I took notes. And it was really nice because it meets your messages. So I didn't have notifications going off. I didn't have the light going on. I didn't Mm -hmm. have the noise. Mm It's just like kind of put it away for me. Mm -hmm. And that's great because if... If I know it's there and I'm trying hard to ignore it, then I'm going to think about the phone. Right. Yeah, but when you're not seeing it, you're not thinking about it. And it's yeah. – I feel like it's definitely helped me feel a little less overwhelmed because I hate getting notifications. But I have certain notifications on. Like I have my Care Of app. It's always notifying me. But I have other apps. I'm like, why is this – I mean, I could easily – turn off the notifications if I wanted to but that maybe I should not be lazy and I should get that but I always forget to do that <laughs> like I always just forget because I have other things going on so having that do not disturb is kind of really helpful especially towards the end of the day because mm-hmm. at the end of the day all I want to do is just relax and I want to sleep I love sleeping and I want to just fall into a <laughs> coma and wake up the next morning and be like okay I'm refreshed and I can do whatever I need to do But having that do not disturb is very helpful just to, like, keep my mind a little bit more at ease. That way when I'm in bed, I'm not thinking so much. I'm just, like, a little bit more relaxed and focused to sleep. Right. Even though I still wake up at (laughs) 5. Oh, God. Goodness. I hate my alarm clock, my internal alarm clock. I hate it. You know what also was helpful with waking up? This is very unrelated. But a good use of technology, tie it back, a sun clock has been magical. Have you heard of a sun clock? No. Like a sundial or? Like a, no, it's, it's a clock that. <laughs> a <sundial. laughs> For a second, I was like, like a sundial? Like we're. A sundial? 
Catherine's like, I have no. to go outside and see where the sun is. That's how what time. That's the best way to get up. You gotta get up and go in the sun to see where it you is. Gotta go outside. You have clocks in your house. Go outside and see how it is. No, a sun clock is like a, it's an alarm clock. You can like make it quiet or whatever sounds. But the the idea is that it slowly lights up over the course of however long you want. So like I set mine to an hour. So if I have to wake up at six, I set it to start rising at five and it will slowly like turn on this light so that like as I'm waking up, my body is sensing that there's light. And so instead of having to wake up immediately, it's almost like, oh, the sun clock is on. I know I have like this much time to have to wake up. And sometimes my body's like, oh, let's just wake up now. It seems like a good time to wake up instead of like that jarring alarm. So I set the sun clock on. The only problem is if I have the sheets over my head and I can't see the light, then it doesn't work. <laughs> but as long as I'm like out in the open, the sun clock works. And it's been such a nice, relaxing way to get up in the morning. It's not jarring. I'm not like, my heart isn't beating fast when I wake up in the morning with like with an alarm. It's been so comforting. So I highly recommend a sun clock. Cannot is recommend it. Is it an that. app? No, it's like an actual clock. Oh, it's an actual clock. Okay. Yeah. For a second, I was like, what is it. this? Yeah, it's I an like actual, that. it's an alarm clock and you can set it to sounds or whatever. Um, like you can set the brightness to be super bright or not too bright. It's really, it's super cool. It's super cool. I love it. I love my sound Really clock. interested. Yeah, I'm it's very interested. helpful. I hate alarms. I hate them so much. I think we realize that technology is not the issue and yeah, unfortunately we are cut a little bit short. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I didn't even realize that it was almost 1030. <laughs> I have to be like, Nara, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Is there anything that you'd like to plug before you run away? Plug, mmm, conversations. At mmm, conversations on Instagram. Also, I have a teacher Instagram that I post on very irregularly called Calendar Abroad. If you're one of my children, please don't follow me. But if you are not, please feel free to follow me over there at Calendar Abroad. Nice. Rad. Well, thank you for joining us. Yes, thank you guys. This was so fun. All right. We'll see y'all next week. See you guys next week. Bye. Toodles.